0: Warning, the Grow Your Salon Fast Show contains content that may offend. The hosts don't care. If you want to grow your salon fast, keep listening and find out more at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com. But for now, here's your hosts, Vagar Svanberg and Kat Smith. Hello and welcome to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show. Today I've um, swapped Kat for a much better looking person of the opposite sex. Hello, Cottle. Hey dude, how are you going? I'm good, how are you? Excellent. And I first have to ask you, you have, uh, we are currently in Cork, Ireland, and you, rumours say that you normally reside in the Philippines. What in the world do you do there? I enjoy warm weather. Well, the, as you should. This place, the weather's fucked here, mate. Mm, so as opposed to here, when it's pissing down.
1: At all times. Um, now I spend, I've got a couple of businesses, I from Australia originally, uh, I've got a couple of businesses, uh, really based out of the Philippines and uh, we've got about 200 and nearly 270 staff in the Philippines with clients all around the world uh, all around Australia UK and US and that keeps me busy and that's why I
0: stay there. And why would you operate the business from the Philippines?
1: I looked When I first looked at going offshore out of Australia we looked at India and we looked at the Philippines um, Quite it was a quite simple decision really. I don't like Indian food. Philippines <laughs> Philippines was closer and the chicks are hotter in the Philippines.
0: Wow. So So you ended up with a Filipino?
1: Yeah. Wow. Good business decision, right? Go, Good business decision. Go where so, the girls are most attractive.
0: What but because you've grown your well, your business grown <laughs> quite a lot over the last few years. What is it that you actually do that is so interesting for your customers that you get loads of
1: yeah, it, it's a new concept, so my industry that I specialise in is accounting, and we created a new model for how accountants would get their work done offshore, so when uh, we place staff in the Philippines for the accounting firms, uh, the, those staff very much work for the accountants, so in, hi- historically when people outsource and take work offshore, what they're doing is they're sending, say, a tax return or something like that they'll send that to an outsourcing company. That company would then be responsible for turning the work around and sending it back. What we do is we we place the staff there and those staff are an extension of the accounting firm from say Australia or the UK. So it's a, it's a very different model, it's unique, and the firms love it.
0: So, because that's actually what we're gonna talk about today is staff. Because staff is, when Kat and I talk to Salon and clinic owners, and staff is the number one topic that comes up again and again and again when we talk to them.
1: It's the biggest problem
0: anywhere. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. But you are, is it—is it right to say that your model actually kind of solves that staff problem for many people?
1: It's exactly what it does. So again, in the accounting industry, the biggest problem firms have all around the world is finding and retaining good staff. Um, and our model solves that problem so hence the fast growth.
0: So that means that you probably can say a lot about anything from hiring staff to training them to following them up and to incentivising them and whatnot. but Mm -hmm. could you say for just just for our listeners um, uh, there's probably a different way of handling staff because your staff works from the Philippines and I work yep. remotely with your clients, so yep. there's the first difference, and there are probably cultural differences between uh, how how you work in the Philippines and how, how people work in Europe, etc. But there are also similarities as well. For instance, could you talk us through your hiring process? Sure. From how you how you find people and how you how you interview them, what questions you ask them, how does that work?
1: Yeah. The- Recruitment is actually a, the biggest problem I have in my business. Um, it's Despite the fact that we have millions of people in the Philippines, it's still very hard to find good staff, no matter where you are. Uh, our, our statistics are, we I'd say we have over 10,000 applicants per year, um, people applying to work with us in various roles. Um, I, I would fill 70 roles in a year, so... It's, it's less than 1% of applicants will get it. almost like Google, it's, it's, in a way. It's low odds. So we, mm. we, we go through uh, a lot of people um, to get good ones. So on the flip side of that, I mean, our process of recruitment is, I mean, I can explain that, but our, our process is very regimented, very difficult to get hired. But on the flip side of that, our staff turnover is very low. You know, it runs at about 10% per year. And on a business with hundreds of staff, I think, um, you know, is exceptional. The industry average is uh, 50% plus you know, turnover. So in terms of recruitment, we there's two sources we get our staff from. One is a, a website in the Philippines, which you know, most countries have a, a website where candidates go looking for jobs. I don't know, you have a seek.com or monster.com, those types yeah, of websites. Yeah, loads of them. Yep. So we've got one in the Philippines we use. We also incentivise existing staff to send referrals, So, which is actually probably a, a better place to get candidates because existing staff aren't going to send dickheads to go and work for you. So you know, Unless they hate you. Unless they, they hate you. So um, <laughs> but They also don't want to embarrass themselves and send an idiot either. So I, I like referrals, but at the rate that my business grows, I can't fill all the roles just on referrals, so most of them come through the website. Uh, There's a process they go through, they'll apply, uh, they'll do a, you know, put them through an application process. Uh, Candidates that are, they'll be be screened initially on their CV, so we'll be knocking out things like job hoppers, we'll be looking uh, for location, so if they live too far from the office we'll knock them back for that uh, because you'll end up with punctuality issues if they have to travel and commute too far. Um, Just various things like that and um, when they come into the office they will then have to do an interview. I've got a a four person recruitment team, four or five person recruitment team. Uh, They'll go through an interview with one of our recruiters. Should they pass that interview, and and most of them don't pass, they will get declined on usually one of two things. One is English, so if their English isn't up to the standard we need, uh, they'll be declined second reason they'll be declined is an attitude uh, our business is a pretty easygoing place to work so we're not looking for people who want to take over the world you know over ambitious people with um, that just aren't going to fit our culture so we're looking for you know loyal hard-working people that are going to be getting along with their colleagues so but that's put,
0: what everyone's looking for and I guess when you interview someone they mm-hmm. would uh, some would probably try to trick you or fool you they, they're Into thinking absolutely. that they're nicer people than they are.
1: Absolutely, and so and you weed them up. We weed most of them out. So recruitment's not a, a perfect thing. There's always a risk, um, but I would say we get. We, you know, I call it a retard filter. You know, so <laughs>
0: I'm sure you do.
1: I do. So um, we put enough hoops in the way that they've got to jump through. It, it filters out most idiots along the way. You know, so they do the interview, but then we also have them doing aptitude tests. They're doing um, an essay in English. They're doing some short answer questions in English. For the accountants, they'll be doing an accounting exam. Um, personality profiling. So we'll do a bunch of things like that. When we're interviewing, we're looking for inconsistencies in their story, in their background. Um, it, it's almost like a court process. You know, we're, we're almost looking to catch them out if we can. And so we do that. And it, look, we, we get most of the idiots are filtered out through that process. Some of them do the testing and just walk out and go home. They don't even pursue once they've done that. So. That's a pretty
0: complicated process. One of a, one of the listeners of this show, he said that I can't remember the story exactly, but he interviewed someone. They agreed that this person would come to the salon on the Saturday to start working, and then the person does not show up. Yep. And he, they can't even call him. He wouldn't answer the phone. So they, they, you know, they thought they had an agreement, but they didn't. And that's a classic, I think that's a classical example of how. how most companies hire you, myself included, is that you spend too little time on the scrutinising part of the candidates.
1: Yeah, we, we have... Um, I track all the percentages. I've got a, a number of whiteboards in my office. So every wall in my office is got a massive whiteboard on it where I track various KPIs around Sounds my business. a old Yeah, I'm, I'm an analogue guy, mate. I, I, <laughs> I prefer a pen and paper rather than... I found if I track it in spreadsheets, I don't look... If it's on a whiteboard, it's in my face. It's in my face, and it's much Fair easier enough. to manage. So we track a number of applicants. We then track um, how many of those we invite. We then track how many of the ones we invite turn up. We, you know, and that's only about I think 60, 60 or 70 percent of people we invite show up. So about 30, 40 percent don't turn up, even for the first interview. Um, so we're tracking everything through this process. Yeah. Um, one, if they clear the first interview and they clear the testing and they they don't appear to be a retard so far, they'll get an interview with our recruitment manager. Um, should they clear her interview, they'll then get an interview with a client. And so, should you, if you're a client, you, you'd then jump on Skype and you, you'd have the final say on who gets hired on your team. Um, so, by the time you get through all of that and plus reference checking and things like that, that you know that sometimes reveals if they've been lying. Um, but generally, at that point, we've figured out if they're an idiot or not. Um, yeah, it's not perfect, there's still some and that's why from that point, then you've got a, a probationary period, so. That uh, was what I was gonna ask, mm. because
0: if you get to the point where you hire them, then you need to, actually, you can't get the answer until you actually see them Absolutely. working. Absolutely, yep. And I must say, in my experience, that has been, there, ha- there have been cases where I've taken someone on board and done a decent job for, Three, four, five, possibly six months. I, I used to say that it takes half a year to know if they're really working or not. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I, I usually can figure out if they're an idiot within a couple of weeks. So,
0: but you're an idiot expert, aren't you? I'm, I'm an expert on this. So like,
1: <laughs> well, in, in the last what four or five years, I've interviewed over a thousand people, and you know we've hired hundreds. So, I would say this is probably something I am an expert at. Yeah, um, dealing with. Fucking Which means people. that
0: our listeners should really listen to what you have to say about this.
1: Well, they, they should. It's it's. I'm not good at many things, but this <laughs> is one thing I know. What, know what I'm talking about. So, um, when w- what I always tell people is, you could you can put it put all these filters in the way of people in order to, you know, avoid hiring an idiot. But sometimes you're still going to hire an idiot. Sometimes you're going to hire someone that can't do the job. But y- you're not going to know that until they start work. So that's the ultimate test. Put them down. See how they go when they start work. And that's the importance of a probationary period and proper, a proper review process. So we do two reviews with our HR team during the first six months during probation. Um, and what happens then? Depends if they're going well or not. So if they're going well, they'll pass their appraisal and we keep going. And
0: then Is that just talk or is that you look at... You know, certain you track certain stuff and you look at the results. or how does that work? That yeah, no, it's,
1: look, it's it's a little bit arbitrary. There, there's there's very various measurements that we're looking at: um, punctuality, attitude, okay. fitting in with the team, different things like that, um, contribution, stuff like that. So a bit arbitrary. It's not hard numbers, but they get ranked it, you know, on a scale of one to five, and they've got to get an average score of three across the board in order to pass. Um, most people pass, and the ones that don't, we are able to manage them out.
0: So, so if people don't pass, so if you know you discover something you'd like to correct, do you correct people during the probation period, or do you just tell them that they can't continue? How do you? No, it's what's your criteria for? No, assignment? we're actually
1: bound by certain legal requirements. So it's it's a bit of a myth in the Philippines where people think you can do whatever you want. It's not the case. It's a very legalistic country. Um, as an employer. Um, had oh, to be very careful. So I, I actually have two law firms on Retainer. I don't trust either of them, so I make sure. So <laughs> whenever I've got to do something around yeah. HR, I get advice from both to make sure it matches. So um, yeah, it's very easy to get sued by uh, wh- what we call over there the Department of Labor. So yeah. an employee can go to them with a complaint and I can very easily get sued um, for doing something wrong or doing a process okay, wrong. So
0: you make sure you stick to the, rule, the rules. Sticks to the rules. So yeah.
1: basically... Um, Look, if they're not performing, it'll be fairly informal at first. Have a conversation with them.
0: You're listening to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show with Cat and Vagard. Remember to sign up for the podcast updates and special bonuses at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com.
1: Coach them, try and help them. If it's still not working out, then we'll do an appraisal. Um, you know, they'll be failing. Got to have a, In order to get rid of them, you have to have a pattern of underperformance. So, there needs to be a couple of appraisals done over a period of time that establishes a pattern where they're not performing, and that's Sounds when we can get rid of them.
0: Especially like the, how we have it in Norway, actually. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, same system. You yeah. have to show that consistently over a period of time. And yep. even underperformance isn't always a criteria you can use just by itself, because statistically, you will always have overperformers, average people, and underperformers. You mm-hmm. can't always use that as, as, as an argument for. Yeah, them up, yeah. and and but, I
1: can't I can't get to the end of the six yeah. month probation and say oh you suck see you later I have to yeah. actually establish a pattern exactly during the yeah. time so it's not a quick decision.
0: But the lesson the salon people can learn from this is that you have to follow your staff up right after you've hired. I mean, if you go through and you follow yep. your advice, but the hiring process made that yep. really rigid and possibly. Probably uh, many of the listeners should use external people to at least help out in that process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, but when i have done that and hired them, they have to continually follow them up and had to do these re- appraisals and probably write something after and send them to them or, or something yeah, so you can document uh, what's going on.
1: Yeah, because of the legalistic environment that I'm operating in, I make sure everything's documented. So
0: You record your appraisals.
1: What do you mean? like yep, By audio? You no, 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 them, no. It's, it's all written and the staff sign off on them and yeah. the client signs off, HR sign off, and it's all. So you written.
0: agree on what you've discussed? Not necessarily that they agree with you, but Correct. they agree that we yeah. talked about and this. I, I've
1: yeah. never had an issue where they've disagreed. No. So when, whenever I've had to let an underperformer go, I've they've never sat there and said, oh, look, I don't think this is right. They always know they got a fair go, hmm. you know? And so, but the flip side of that is in order, you don't want that happening too often. So when you hire somebody, you wanna make sure you're retaining them, you wanna make sure that they're doing a good job and they're being productive. Um, I've found staff, value; they're not all about money, so to retain good staff, yeah, you have gotta pay them well, but we don't pay them stupidly high salaries. Um, they're paid above market rate, but you know it's reasonable. Uh, I find that they actually wanna be part of a team, they wanna be appreciated for what they do and i I've, I've found that that actually gets a lot more mileage than money um, that appreciation and thanks for your hard work and things like that and being feeling like part of the team you know i get staff turn up to my house randomly raid my fridge for food you know just just what you know, I, treat, well, I, I treat i treat i treat them like family All right. so you know they 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 very much like 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 my kids you know and so you know i'm the godfather of many of their children you know when they wow. Have children. I was a godfather in a wedding uh, last week. So Is that a
0: special cultural thing yeah, it's as f- well about the yeah. Philippines? Yeah, so it's very family Because I've, a, I've seen and heard people call you Sir Mark. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's,
1: that's just like our equivalent of Mr. Yeah. You know, I, it took a long time to get used to it. I still think it's ridiculous, but there's no point fighting it. You're fighting the whole culture. <laughs> so um, it's a bit of a joke, really.
0: Well, what? how do you. Because this is also a problem for salarines. I mean, in a salon, you would have, say, you need people to do tasks and have to mm-hmm. do them well, and they have to document what they do and film a journal, etc. Uh, uh, so, how do you how how do you measure in your business that people do what they're supposed to do in the amount of time that that's reasonable? Because not. It would be nice, I guess, to hire a superman and woman, yep. but that's not really the case. You have to be reasonable about it, but how do you measure that?
1: Well, that's something I've never, clients often ask me to hire the superstar. I said, I have no formula for a superstar. All I've got is a formula to get rid of most of the retards. <laughs> so sometimes you get a superstar, but that's more luck than anything else.
0: Hey? You should trademark that. Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> the retard I, I would end up in prison somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> um, what was the question again?
0: Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering how you track and measure that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Productivity, too. productivity. Yeah. Yep. So,
1: in in accounting, um, we measure them based on the out, you know, the, the value of the work they do. You know, So it's very simple. It's it's usually a time based measurement. So, um, you know, they need to get a certain amount of work done each day or each week, and and we track that because you know it goes directly to the profitability of the firm. And every employee has to justify their existence. It's not a charity. Uh, in in the salon industry, well, I, I'm not an expert on that, but I would assume it's something around number of haircuts or value of haircuts uh, performed in a day or in a week. Um, yeah,
0: and upsells and yeah, you know, lots of things related so, to that experience. And.
1: So that that cannot be that hard to measure. That would be fairly straightforward. I would have thought, but I would guess as well that most salon owners don't bother.
0: No, uh, what I'm really asking you is, you know, how you measure that? Do you measure that by having to have to do a number of things in a in set amount of time, or do you match, measure the output in other ways? What's, what's no, it's all goals? it's all
1: software driven. That stuff. So, you know, we have a certain number of jobs on the go at any one time. They're, those jobs are worth a certain amount of money, and, and they're allocated to staff. So, we're just monitoring how quickly they do those jobs. Right. So that's that's how the productivity is measured. It's it's basically a revenue, and that goes straight to revenue.
0: But you're right, uh, you're right, uh, most sounds don't measure that uh, mm. at all, really. And uh, even when they do, or even if they see that the st- st- staff member is underperforming, they're rarely doing things. They go and complain to their partner at home or to yes. some other people, but rarely take action, do something about it until it's too late. Yeah. Uh, but that's not something you do. You are no. quite It's a very common, on, yeah, no, no, you're yeah. right,
1: you're right, and that, that issues, is across any industry. Uh, Most business owners uh, don't have the courage to confront underperforming staff um, quickly enough. And they, you know, I I know of accounting firms that have had underperforming staff for many, many years that they wish they had got rid of early. Well, I've gotten rid of people with... um, My record is uh, 45 minutes to sack somebody. Wow. Yeah, from his first morning. Wow. So, um, you know, if... Somebody is not doing the right thing. Look, there's a story behind that, which is quite funny. But um, basically, I don't tolerate underperformance um, from anybody. So, you know, I've recently had to let go a close friend of mine that I hired. You know, and uh, just last
0: week. So, is that hard emotionally?
1: It used to. It used to be. It's not now because I've done it so many times. And when it gets to that, they've really let me down. You know, yeah. it doesn't just happen because I'm in a bad mood. It happens because they've done something either really bad or they've had, a, um, you know, a, a months of underperformance where it just can't be tolerated any further.
0: I want to ask you a few questions about your um, uh, offshoring business too. Yep. But before I do that, just just we've been been a bit perhaps a bit negative here about staff. But this is what people want to know. I so love my, what I, I, lo- I love. But, my staff. Yeah, <laughs> and and I mean that yeah. that's what the end goal is. That we mm-hmm. want people to uh, enjoy uh, their job, and we want them to do what they want. And, and yeah, but uh, also there's there's the thing about incentivising people. I mean, uh, encouraging encouraging them to do a good job. And that's you said initially that is not all about the money, mm-hmm. so what else can you do to make them uh, feel like they're a part of the team and wanting to stay there, and, you know, getting everyone to pull in the right in the same direction? What yeah, would how, how you recommend it, people do to?
1: Definitely get to know the staff individually because pe- people are motivated by different things. You know, some are motivated by money for various reasons, others are motivated by recognition, things like that, but typically in our business we're, we're looking uh, we, we're very training focused. So you know, I've, I've heard it said by business owners over the years, oh, they don't want to train the staff because then they'll, they can leave and you've just lost your investment. And it's like, well, do you want untrained staff working in your business? So we, we train our staff. You know, we spend a lot of time and money training staff. So uh, that ends up uh, having positive outcomes. You know, We, we put a, a lot of staff through the Toastmasters program in order to improve their speaking and communication skills. And they do so that.
0: What's that? You put them in front of a crowd?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a small room, 10, 15 <laughs> people. But but yeah, look, I mean, we just had our Christmas party with 460 people at it, and our staff run that. You know, so I've got a, you know, one, one of the um, people hosting that, like up on stage speaking and I guess emceeing that was a young girl who's only about 20, 21 years old. When her first her first job, she's only been with me a few months. Wow. And she got up there and spoke. Must be scary. Yeah.
0: Did it he shit himself? They, they handle
1: it pretty well. I probably get more nervous than they do. Um, but yeah, look, the training's very important. Definitely career path is important. Again, in my industry in particular, that's what they're looking for. Um, in the salon industry, I, I'm, again, I'm not an expert on that, but you'd want to make sure you're keeping your staff current and trained so they know what they're doing. Um, make sure they're remunerated properly. Make sure they're appreciated for what they do. Um, all those, yeah, just thanks for a good job. That goes a long way.
0: I want to move to, as I said a bit earlier here, I want to move to your offshoring business because, as I understood it, part of part of what you do is about help helping people outsource some of their admin tasks to to basically to other people, training other staff in the Philippines, in your case, to to to. Uh, Advertised for them. Could you say a little about that, what, what that is about, that part of your business?
1: Yeah, in, in terms of the admin, so again, my, my expertise is accounting, but 10% of our clients are not accounting firms. They're just regular businesses who, you know, doing whatever. But a lot of the roles we fill for them are administrative roles. So typically I would say that a lot of business owners... and you know, even if you've got high, expensive staff in, in your local country, they're doing very low-end tasks. You know, crap that can be done by somebody else. I'll, I'll use
0: a concrete example. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say we have a small a business in a, operating, say, five salons. Yep. That would require an admin role. You would need to do yep. accounting. And how could they benefit from say, taking on the staff from the Philippines, what would be their advantage? Well, you, why why you, should they do that? Yeah, you could have
1: somebody answering phones, for example. You know, take, from the Philippines? Yeah, from the Philippines. You could have somebody taking all the calls in. They could be organising the bookings, the, the calendar entries and things like that. You could be having someone dealing with suppliers and all the different you know, all the different background administrative tasks that um, would normally need to be done in a salon so that the owner can be you know, doing what's most valuable rather than the low-end administrative work. So anything that doesn't need a geographical presence, so if it doesn't need a physical presence in your country, you can have it done from the Philippines. Uh, just this morning I, I needed to change a, a flight for tomorrow and um, I, I just messaged one of my girls in the Philippines and they organised um, the cancellation of one hotel, a booking into another hotel in London and um, they changed one of my flights around all for me within about 10-15 minutes while I was doing something else.
0: I guess that, uh, a part of the equation is prob- has probably also got to do with costs. Is that true?
1: Yeah. So it, it, it can be true. In, in the case of my business in particular, it, it's more about finding good stuff. So where what I do, the business owners are unable to find and retain good staff. So they're coming to me because of that capacity issue. They haven't got the staff... It's not, they're not actually coming primarily because it's cheaper. Uh, That's just an added benefit. But typically you're looking at about 20,000 USD a year for a full-time employee in the Philippines.
0: And on the plus side here, as I understand it, is that since they're based in the Philippines, I mean, your client, as I understood from from what you've said before, is that you expect your clients to uh, participate very closely in training and following the staff up. But is it true that you do kind of the local follow up and making them kind of feel like they're part of a team and and you know and yep. from Christmas parties too yeah what what so you handle all that stuff, and if it goes wrong, then you will handle that as well
1: yeah, so it's all done as a team, so the client and us would, it's it's very much a team effort so what we're doing is handling making sure the office is running well internet computers infrastructure you know making sure the hr's correct and all the procedures payroll all of that sort of crap that's what we're doing the client's responsibility is training and workflow management and making sure the employee feels part of the team in say the uk or wherever that happen to be located um, whereas we're making sure they feel like part of the bigger team as well in the philippines so it's very much a, a, a big team effort on everyone's part.
0: So that, that's, that's really interesting. If, if people want to find out more about this, what, what do they do? Where can they learn more about what, what do you do?
1: Send me an email.
0: Where do they send that?
1: They could send it to Mark, M-A-R-K, at frontline, F-R-O-N-T-L-I-N-E, accounting.com.au. Mark Cottle, thanks for being on the show. It's it been great a, talking to you. It's been a pleasure.
0: You've been listening to The Grow Your Salon Fast Show with Kat and Vagard. Share and sign up for your podcast updates and special bonuses at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com.